0: Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Open your Bibles if you could. And don't forget, we have a uh, a uh, podcast, Steve Witt podcast. Uh, it happens every week. You may not know that. It's on Spotify and other places that you find podcasts. And uh, it drops, I think, every Friday. This week is really Really, a fun one, Ashley and I. Ashley's been having a a pretty strong encounter with God through the Word of God over the past ninety days. Uh, it's pretty interesting, especially for a busy mom with a bunch of kids and a job and all that kind of stuff. She is really uh, getting some deep revelation. She and Jay made some hollow bread last night and brought it. It's kind of part of that revelation. You have to listen to the podcast. I interview Ashley about this encounter that she had recently and how it's affected her life. So that's dropping this Friday, or sometime this week, but I think it's Friday. Check it out, and get on there. Click to subscribe so you can see it every time it drops. And I've got about, I think, eight or ten uh, in the bag already that you can check on. Also, um, there's a lot of announcements today, but also we're, we're going to be uh, talking about this book over the next 30 days. If you want to get started, this is 30 days to understanding the Bible. We have a bunch of them out back. Uh, Unlock the Scriptures in 15 minutes a day. This is an overview of the Bible. It gives you a framework to understand the Word of God. I We're going to form a uh, social media group that we can confer, talk back and forth about this. I'm already started to go through it, and uh, I really like its layout. It gives you the general view so that you can dig in deep. Also, at the first of the year, I do feature this Book, it's one of my favorites. I wrote it. Uh, It's called Your Prophetic Life Map A Guide to a God Crafted Life. If you want to bring order, and by the way, this is a huge word for me, particularly this year, if you want to bring order into your life and get into rituals, spirit rituals not some vain ritual that doesn't count for anything, but a spiritual ritual. A spirit ritual, you get into spirit ritual, you lay your life out, and I'm telling you, there's greater peace that comes as you order your life and align your life toward the Lord Jesus Christ. bunch of little pictures in it, maps, things like that. Check it out. It's at the back also. I think that's it. Open your Bibles if you could. And we're going to go actually to Psalm 1 in just a minute, but I have another verse I want to talk about. This is Vision Sunday. Our word for this year, every year we have a word, or phrase. You know, during COVID we had what's stronger together, gather together, I forget what they are, but we have them every year, you know, some kind of phrase or a slogan or something that keeps us focused throughout the year. And the word this year is flourish. i are got to right here. These are the sweatshirts and t-shirts we're going to have uh, coming in. Our staff's got them right now. But flourish, flourish is an amazing word. In fact, i got the definition of it right here. Let me just read it with you as I start up here. Uh, flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way. How many of you want that? The second part of it, though, involves all of us, especially. So you grow in a healthy and vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment, which, of course, is Cleveland. (laughs) We're prophesying. We're prophesying right now. We're speaking those things which are not as though they were. But in the midst of Cleveland... We've got this little Garden of Eden called Bethel Cleveland. And so this favorable environment here is going to cause us to flourish over this year. If you listen closely to what myself and our preaching teams and teaching teams teach on this year, I want you to know, first of all, we're going through it ourselves. We are aiming our sights high. I'm, I've watched all the, the talking heads on television and the internet, and they're all, they're all talking pretty bad about 2023. <clears throat> People being laid off. I mean, I think Amazon laid off, what, 75,000 people or something like that. Largest layoff they've ever had. Twitter fired 90% of their people. I mean, you know, this thing is happening. Around There's jobs, but there's people being laid off. The economy's diving. Recession, supposedly, in the second quarter of the year. We've got to arrest our thoughts and bring them and focus upon Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he's not only going to carry us through... He's going to cause us to flourish through this entire year. Yeah. All right. You're all right. You're you're with me there. We're all on the same one. Okay. So in October, I had a Vision Sunday also. In fact, when I brought it up, staff, they said, no, no, Vision Sunday is the first year. I know that. We're going to do a different Vision Sunday. So we had a Vision Sunday in October about the hardware, the fiscal facilities that we have and a property and the vision that we have for it. We showed a picture that caused a little bit of questioning from people. Like, where's that building at? It's not, it, was a, it was a futuristic view of what we're doing. I, I didn't see another building across the pond. Well, there will be eventually. We're going to have a prayer house. We're going to have all kinds of various things in the future that we're working toward. We believe in God's going to open the doors as we go through in faith and believe in faith. And you need to talk about that. You really do. You need to talk about physical structures, but today I want to talk about the software. Got the hardware and the software. Software is the spirit of God moving through a group of people. That is what makes this thing happen. Otherwise, this is just a carpet warehouse. You know, we we're getting our zoning and everything changed for this. They go, well, you know, it's just you know, church. You know, we're going to lose tax dollars and all that. You know, and I just said, look at it. And, and what would it be ever used? I mean, what? what you know, I said, look, look, look. You look at the building. Look at the plans we have. It's a carpet warehouse. Oh, okay. And that convinced them. They were all excited about it. You know, this could eventually be a carpet warehouse. But for the next hundred years at least, this is going to be a gathering place of the Spirit of God and its people. That could be a carpet warehouse if they knew it to. Okay. So, so we were talking about software today and, and the fact that you are the church. You are the called out ones. You're the ecclesia, the ecclesia, however you want to pronounce it. Ecclesia, ek, called out, out. Let's see, the ones that are called out. We've been called out of our houses, which is literally what it means. You're called out of your houses into a corporate, it was not a Christian word. Paul brought it in and made it a Christian word. Pull you out of your houses, bring you together in in a way to innovate to solve problems for the community. That's the word that Jesus chose when he said, I will build my ecclesia and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And whatever they bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever they loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is who we are. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and say, wow, you're pretty beautiful. That's amazing. Ecclesia. Wow. And we form it together. The church was never meant to be one person. It's a community. I love what the Celts, the Irish Celts, said it's a colony of heaven. I thought, yeah, it's a colony, it's a mobile colony of heaven that moves around carrying the kingdom of God, literally the Garden of Eden. We are garden planters. Everywhere we go, we bring green. We bring fruitfulness. We flourish. In fact, one of the great attractions of the people of God is the fact that they flourish. They bear fruit in and out of season. And so I want to read you a key verse. We're going to use this verse... uh, And a couple of other verses online. I've got some really cool verses that talk about flourish. But Psalm 92 says this. Psalm 92 says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. And they shall grow like cedars in Lebanon. I love flourish and grow. Flourish and grow. It's really what I signed up for 40, how long have we been doing this? Almost 45 years ago when I first planted a church in Brunswick. Not this church, but another one. I planted the church because I was, I, you know, I was 23 at the time. So, so give me a break. I was 23 years old and was planting a church because I felt the rest of the church is not doing what Jesus said. I was ticked. It's great planting a church out of anger, you know. But I found that there's a whole lot of angry Christians out there that agreed. So we came together, got healed, got restored, got saved, all that stuff, and we're, you know, we're still going. But anyway, that was the thing. It drove me because I read one book when I was in, in college, in Bible college, called the, my, a friend of mine who's now a great missionary in Europe. He, he said, you've got to get this book. So I went to Amazon. <laughs> it was 1977. Went to Amazon, got the book, read it, and it was like, phew, the problem with wineskins, that's the name of the book. I can't, after I closed that book, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the author, uh, Snyder, I think it was, he, uh, he, this wasn't his intention, but I just thought, I'm right, I gonna I do it right. I'm gonna do something different. So I have been impressed by this for 44 to 45 years can we not see the church emerge in power? Can we not see unity in the church? Can I see a group of people that do not gossip and backbite one another, but freely give and are touched by the Spirit of God? One person agrees with me. I'll take it. One will put 1,000, two will put 10,000. Who was that person? Good, all right, good, yes. What can a multitude do? Anyway, so it says, it says, it says in scripture, what does it say? It says we flourish and we grow. We are called to flourish. I I want to challenge you today. I'm calling you to step up. We have got to see fruitfulness in our midst. People, people, I tell you, I, I was up at 4.30 this morning And the thing that was in my head, I won't talk too much about it because I'm building something around it, but the heresies of the early church, first 300 years, it's fascinating because it gets pure pure gospel coming out, but it's hitting different cultures, different people with different views, and it creates like all these sects that that pop up all around that are focused on different things, and a big one was was, uh, uh, believing the Gnosticism, which believed that ultimately, I believe that Jesus was not in the flesh, but was in the spirit when he was here. And he was not, there was not a flesh Jesus. And Gnosticism was big on secret knowledge. And I know things you don't know. I mean, and you think, wow, I'm glad that's over with. It's still in the church today. Universalism. Well, many gods get many gods. Whoa, glad we're not in that. It's still in the church today. I came up about five or six of them. I'm going to talk about them in the future, but in the midst of all that, that a church emerges and breaks through, what we're experiencing right now is not unique to church history. There's always been traitors, there's always been backbiters, there's always been people with hidden agendas, but the power of the spirit of Christ and the power of the message of the gospel breaks through from generation to generation, all the way to this point right now. And so when I meditate on this this morning, it started stirring me. And I I took all these copious notes, you know, from it. Because I thought, we got to remember that. We need to warn people. And so I'm calling you right now. 2023 is about stepping up, not only for our own benefit. I mean, everyone wants to flourish. That's that's an easy sell. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll be a part. But the first week that I'm not flourishing, I'm out of here. But it's not about flourishing. It's about... Getting our eyes on Jesus, Amen. it's the key to flourishing. It's a benefit. It's a maybe an unintended benefit for some. And I'm going to show you in scripture how this happens, but I want to challenge you right now. Look around, faculty, look around the folks near you, because as I challenge you, I want you to kind of shake your head, yes. So you're you're saying, yeah, yeah, come on. We're in this together, okay? I'm challenging you this year. <laughs> I'm challenging you this year that to to be somebody who will step up into a new place in Christ, Amen. that we will learn together, we will grow together. And let's, let's do this. Typically, when you set a, a New Year's resolution, um, you talk about stuff in life, you know. I, I want my, my marriage to be get better by the end of 2023. I need that better job that I've been looking for by the end of 2023. I want to make $10,000 more. I mean, there's nothing wrong with goals. There's nothing wrong with, with bucket lists. There's nothing wrong with temporal desires and dreams and even to a degree asserting yourself in order to get those things to happen without being annoying. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. The Lord does not hold that back. He offers it to you through Jesus Christ. You can do it in the natural, but it does not give you what you get in Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, which is a relationship with God. And the side benefit that some of you may not realize is a side benefit is you get the ecclesia. You get the people to hang out with that are people of like mind. So we're going to ask ourselves, where do we want to go? Now, what I was going to say, typically with a resolution, you talk about widgets. I want to make 10,000 more widgets this year. I want to get 10,000 more widgets. It's whatever. You know, it's stuff here that we need. You know, I need to find a husband. I was talking with a couple single ladies this week in the church. I preached to them for probably an hour. About seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added. Adam tried to find something at work. The giraffe went by. Zebra went by. I I don't want to spend the rest of my life with a giraffe. And the Lord said, I just showed you all that to show you that your work and what you do here is not going to help. But if you'll trust me, I'll bring you something that will change your life. All right. But first you need to lay down and go to sleep. All right. He removes his rib, goes off in the woods, fashions this beautiful creature, brings it to him. And this is the first poetic couplet in history. He goes, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. she should be called woman. I mean, it, it's a very self-centered thing. But anyway, he said that because he realized, he was like, whoa. I mean, this beautiful woman was brought to him by the Lord who said it's not good to be alone. So the Lord, when you focus on the Lord, he knows what you need. He will bring to you in your garden who you're, sub- I know I'm talking to singles, right? How many of you are single right now? Raise your hand. Oh, well, really, that, just that? Are the rest of you embarrassed to raise your hand? Or... Probably, probably a third of you, man. I thought it would be more than that. Maybe they're all in Middleburg. Anyway, God has somebody for you, but you focus upon him. I know it's hard. You want to find one? I need to find somebody, Pastor Steve. If I found somebody, my life would be changed. Oh, yeah. Go do that. Go do that. Find someone, get married. I'll see you in the counseling room. (laughs) If you focus upon the Lord, he will bring you somebody (laughs) that you need, that you love and they're beautiful, but you need them because they're going to be your discipler for the next 45 years. (laughs) You're going to disciple them. They're going to disciple you. There's going to be this mutual back and forth and hopefully by the end of it, you get more and more like Jesus because you're going to marry somebody that is a Jesus pursuer. You're not going to be unequally yoked. Did you hear that? Well, there's no good women in the church. Oh, yeah, there. You need revelation. No more on that. Okay, here we go. So we want you to Flourish. We want you to be healthy. We want you to have favorable environments. So we want you to have nutrition, spiritual word, the word of God, the spirit of God, exercise, was activational training. Like at the Freedom Weekend, you do stuff, you get out, you feed the poor, you do that. That kind of stuff creates healthy people and a favorable environment, which means this church becomes a place of love, joy, and peace. And it creates love through safety, through trust. Oh, I like that. Through trust and truth. Honesty with one another, building trust. By the way, you build trust over years together. Joel's been here what? Uh, where are you, Joel? Fifteen years? Somewhere I always forget. Fifteen years. Have we been through stuff, Joel? Yes. Like small stuff? A lot of big things. Good and bad. Okay, but, but where's Joel? He's in the front row. <laughs> and I'm still here. I'm not leaving. <laughs> But Joel and I are close friends. He's a spiritual son, so to speak, but we're close friends. We stand toe-to-toe and we talk about things. We, we mutually speak to one another about things in our lives. I love that. It's the dynamic that you get, and we sing together on Sunday morning. These are dynamics you only get in the ecclesia. So this church is very important. The reason I'm, I'm talking about it so much is that it's one of the heresies that's out there right now that, the gatherings like this are just, well, that's not really biblical. That's not what the Lord intended. I've been reading up on it. You're wrong. And I'll talk about it in the days ahead. Psalm 1. Turn to Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to blow through this quick here. But here's my point. Let me steal my thunder here. The Bible. I brought mine today. I usually use the digital version because this one needs a little help, you know. But uh, it's, it's been well used, um, but I love it. I love holding it. It's got a leatherette cover that's beat up pretty bad. It's got all kinds of little sticky notes in it and notes. So this ain't going anywhere because I like looking back. It's almost like a journal of my life, reading through Scripture. And so the Word of God is a powerful tool in our life that reveals this isn't Jesus. But on the pages of this, there's a living, active, two-edged sword that comes alive is animated it comes alive and i was reading it this morning it is living and active it is living in that it comes alive but is active in that it has the exact word that is used in the greek is the word the word we get energy there is life and energy in these pages now if you read it for religious purposes oh, i got to read the bible you can get nothing out of it it's a it's a vain repetition we're not talking about vain repetition But people are now using the Bible. They're seeing the Bible is legalistic. Yeah, I want to read the Bible every day. I don't need to. I'm moving up the spirit. Really? Very interesting. The Lord's looking for people that are spirit and truth. Truth comes from the word of God. Uh, The early disciples had it in the Torah. Jesus had it in the Torah. Uh, New Testament has come along. It's... it's, uh, All come together through the gathering of the saints over the years. We read through it. We believe that it is the spoken or the written word of God. And what happens when you read it is it begins to transform your life like nothing else. This is a trip to the spiritual gym. When you read it, you build muscles. When you read it, you burn fat. It's God's barbecue. You know, when you throw a steak on the hot grill and it goes, what is that? It's fat. It's burning. We are on God's barbecue. That's why someday He will look at you and say, Well done. <laughs> you say, I don't like well done. Jesus does. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 6, look at this. Blessed is the man. We all know what blessed means. It means joyful, happy, uh, 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 an atmosphere of feeling blessed, feeling like, whoa, God's with me. God's going to be saved. He says blessed, and he does it in a, in a kind of a double negative way. So in this first part, he's saying what not to do. But it's very rich what he talks about. Blessed is the man, does not do this, who walks not. Walks not. Now, this talks about three positions. I don't have time to go into it all, but I'll probably touch it in a podcast this week that will come out next week. But uh, it says, he walks not, the second part says, he, nor does he stand, nor does he sit. So position is very important, walking, standing, and sitting. And this actually is a regressive thought. It's not progressive. It's kind of progressive-regressive. It's regressive in that it shows this downward spiral if you do not do this. And the downward spiral is he who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands. So you walk, typically that's how you get involved in something, you walk to it, you stand, and then what happens? You sit down. That's a show of commitment. You're walking with someone, you stand, you stop at a place, and you sit down. You've planted yourself somewhere. And he says, Who who walks not in the council of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful? This is the way things go down if you do these things. If you walk in the council of ungodly, if you stand in the path of sinners, if you sit in, if you get involved. This is why I tell people say, Oh, I can hang out with who I am and I don't get affected by it. I just don't believe that. If your closest friends are people that are not followers of Jesus, the likelihood of you breaking through. We always have this evangelism thing. I know people that have got married, you know, this missional marriage. I'm going to evangelize them. When I get with them, they're going to come to the Lord and they fight for the next 40 years. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't get involved with somebody thinking that your involvement will bring them over to the kingdom of God. You know, what, what's the old saying? Let's see, when you put a glove in dirt, it doesn't get glo- the dirt doesn't get glovey. The glove gets dirty. You see, we never talk to sinners. Then, tax collectors—you have to talk to them. We never talk to this guy. No, 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 no. We are in this world, not of this world. We have to be reminded daily about we're in this world, we're not of this world. We're in. The, we are the light. We are the light. We're the lump, the yeast. We are the uh, what is it? The light and the salt. We're the salt. When we come into a room and it changes the flavor of the room because of Christ in us, we are influencers, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, where we do call people to be reconciled to God. That's the ecclesia. So I use this as my personal measurement as I look over 2022. Was I a light? Was I an influencer? Yeast? Was I was I salt? Did I make the room better? I love, we were in a restaurant the other day over here in Strongsville. I was with a pastor friend of mine from over in Defiance. Yeah, Defiance, west of here. He came over to spend a couple hours with me. We're sitting down, we're chatting. I did my usual, you know, are you a Jesus follower? This waitress comes over, a young lady, probably 22, 23, something like that. I said, are you a Jesus follower? And she said, yes, I am. I thought, whoa. (laughs) I usually don't get that response, you know. And I said, I didn't know what to say after that. It's like... I said, well, well, good for you. Just ask I felt the presence of God. His, even the guys with me, he's like, wow, that was a very quick response, she said. So I did say something after that. I said, well, how long have you been a believer? That's usually the next question I ask because I want to find out they really did the right thing. And, uh, and she said, all my life. She goes, are you guys Jesus followers? Hey. Don't turn the table on me. I invented this thing. It's powerful. So if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, well, Steve, you know, I can't just talk to Christians. If you sit in the path of sinners, seat of the scornful, you are not blessed. There's not a blessing on that. You are blessed when you develop connections with believers. I'm not saying you never deal with an unbeliever, but there should be some prime people in your life that are influencing you that are followers of Jesus Christ. But I know a lot of Christians that do not have, I come to church, but... My friend base is really out here. You know, it's the people I work with. There's nothing wrong with that. I get it. I understand. But I'm telling you, who is influencing you the most? Are you closer to the Lord now than you were a year ago? Well, don't judge me. I don't want to be part of anything that feels like work. We're going to talk about that over the next month. It says this. So don't do that. Don't do that. Stay away for a second. You'll be blessed if you do not sit in that place, stand in that place, or walk in that place Position and proximity is important in the kingdom of God. Think about that; it's pretty amazing. But, <laughs> but his delight—the thing that gets you excited—his delight is in the law of the Lord. Well, Why? Have you read the Old Testament? Lamentations. Oh, my goodness. I cried through the whole thing. I didn't understand it. Leviticus. Revelation, the bowls of tears. What? I don't know what that's talking about. I just want to read the red. I want to read about Jesus, you know. Well, Jesus didn't read the bread. He read the Torah. And he knew it, possibly memorizing it. So the delight, this is the intention, Psalm 1. By the way, all this came to me because I was on my first day of devotion, which as you know, in my little devotional that I read, and I've had since 1989, it uh, it deals with Genesis 1, Psalm 1, Proverbs 1, and Matthew 1. And when you look at all those on the first day of the year, you're reminded that beginnings are very important. And here we are at the beginning of the year. We are writing a fresh chapter in our life. What is this year going to be looking like? It's going to be a people that are flourishing because they've become devout. I don't know if that's a good word or not. What do you think when you hear that word, a devout person? Are oh, they're a little snobby. You think they know it all? They're devout. They go to temple every day. They go to Catholic Mass every morning. or They're devout. They don't miss anything. They're devout. They think they're really supposed to be doing all that. The Bible doesn't think that way. The Bible really calls for devoutness to come within people's hearts. That we're devoted to the Lord Jesus. Oh, I could be that without the church. You can't. You can't. I mean, I have people. One of the, I got to get another heresy in here. Another heresy is I love Jesus. It's just his people I have real problems with. Well, First John, he deals with that. He makes it really easy. He says, look, ha, ha. okay, yeah. if you love God, oh, yeah, yeah, I love God, and hate your brother, you're a liar. Yeah. What, what, what? What? Who said that? I don't think First John is supposed to be in the Bible. <laughs> well, actually, Jesus accentuates that over and over again that, Actually, part of your kingdom development and your expression of your love to the Lord is tied in your relationships with one another. <laughs> Those three people, That's good. You love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. These are linked together, inseparable. You love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. Whether they're believers or unbelievers, people tell me, Christians tell me, actually, unbelievers most times are better to hang out with than believers are. Next time someone says that to me, don't say that to me. Next time someone says that to me, I'm going to unpack it right on the spot. Because what do you mean by that? So you're saying that the Christ in them is not as exciting as your unbelievers you're hanging out with. Why is that? Well, tell me what you do with your unbelievers. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't know. What's funny. You, know you know, I don't know involves things. that I don't, you're, you're a pastor. I want to talk to you about it. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. So this is talking about the blessed person. This is a beginning right here. If you want to create a garden, it's what I want to talk about probably for, I don't know, a month or a half or two months, something like that, is the garden. Garden of Eden is a destiny. The Garden of Eden, I'll cut this short and get into it more detail later on, but the Garden of Eden is the kingdom of God. I believe you could say that the Garden of Eden, it's called the Garden of the Lord in Isaiah, and and Jesus walked through the midst of it every day, I think because he may have lived there. He is the tree of life. He is the garden. When you follow Jesus Christ, the garden starts, to seeds of the garden, starting with Jesus, begins to, oh, let's see right there on my chest, flourish. The roots go down. I think three times in the Bible, it says rooted and fruited, rooted and fruited. If you get rooted, you get fruited. You get deep in Christ, deep in his environment, what he is, his kingdom, you will create a garden, and this is the deal. The garden mandates, there's 10 of them. I'm writing a book on it, but the garden mandates, the garden mandates are, the big ones are fill, subdue, and rule. I have a theory. I have a theory that, that God's intention, I cannot prove this, But knowing the nature of God what I've read in Scripture, I believe that the Garden of Eden, which, by the way, was planted as a little green seed in the midst of a chaotic world where demons had been thrown millennia before that. They fell to the earth. And then all the stuff that was going on and everything else, you know, the Lord plants a garden. And then he puts people, we don't know how big that garden was pretty big. It had one gate in it that we know of, an eastern gate, which they eventually had to go out. But in that garden, you find out that everything that mankind needs is within that garden. It is a walking, idyllic environment that can be promised to every person here on earth. He loves changing your desert, your dry places, into the garden of the Lord. And we are called as gardeners to plant seeds. This this terminology is used all over the New Testament with Jesus himself. When you, when you build a house, you build it on a rock, not on sand. Remember, Jesus talked about that. All kinds of illustrations, parables, where he talks about this same concept of plant yourself in something that can withstand time. You know what it is? It's the Word of God. This will help you. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to get pushback. Oddly enough, I'm going to get pushback on this. Come at, come at me, man. I'd love to talk to you about it. This will give you a life that stands It's not about how much you read. It's how much it reads you. It divides you, the marrow of your bones. It judges your heart when you read it. I almost feel like approaching it like this. Oh. 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 I tell you, every time I read in the morning... I, I, get, I get revelation. I just get, I get insight. It stirs me. It energizes my soul because that's what it's supposed to do. All right. Computer went off. Just talk among yourselves. All right. Yes, here we go. His light is the law of the Lord. His, he, he, law, he meditates on it day and night. So the downward spiral is now turned upward. The sin spiral will, will take, because the wages of sin is death. Even after you're a believer, if you're continuing to sin, you, you know, you may not go to hell, but you're going to experience hell on earth because you're sowing to hell every day. And you can talk about, you know, whether you can backslide or fall away from God. It's not my topic today, but there is a downward spiral that will continue to take you further down. If you stand, you walk and you sit in the wrong place. But if you change that and say, I'm going to give myself to the Word of God, even though I've had all these judgments about it, and thoughts, and people told me stupid things about it, I'm going to start reading the Word of God. I'm going to get me a structure, a system to read through the Word of God and see what it does. And if you get one like I have, you're reading a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of Psalms, a little bit of Proverbs, a little bit of New Testament, and it always meshes together in some incredible way. But it says if you do that, if you start meditating upon this Word, the next verse I love. I quote it a lot. He shall be like a tree. Very poetic. He shall be like a tree. Isaiah calls it oaks of righteousness. Woo! You're the planting of the Lord. Look at this. It says that if you will meditate upon his word and make it your delight, it says you shall be like a tree planted. By rivers of water. I'll be talking about that in a week's head too. That brings forth its fruit. You can only bring forth fruit if you're planted. Brings forth fruit in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Man, i Hey, I'll take that. I want that. And half the crowd does too. (laughs) The ungodly are not so... See this juxtaposition, this, this comparison going on here? Verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but are like chaff. Chaff is not planted. Chaff is blowing in the wind. Oh we are is dust in the wind. Ooh. But are like chaff, light and uprooted, which the winds of adversity drives away. Boy, if anything, describes the American church right now. I'm going over there. I've got a better youth group. I'm going over there. They have really good coffee. I'm going to go over there. It's chaff. It's chaff. Commit yourself somewhere. You're not, going to get the, you're not going to build the ecclesia in your soul if you're going here and there and there and here and there, and there and over there. You won't. Even a bad church, pick a bad church and start loving it and change the atmosphere. You could do it. In my generation, some people have been going to the same church for 30, 40, 50 years. It does something in your core. It establishes something in you. You become a planted person, and you bear fruit, whose leaves shall not wither, whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, they're like chaff, which the wind drives away. It's interesting, because we're blown by the wind too, the Holy Spirit wind, but it's seeds coming out of us. We're planted in the Lord. We spread seeds all over the place and the wind comes and takes them. Verse five, therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. You will not stand when it is the most important in your entire existence because you are not established, you are not planted. The word of God was secondary in your life, you did not make it primary in your life. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of ungodly shall perish. Okay, here's what we're going to do this year. <laughs> What's my introduction? All right, let's see here. Steve, 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 Steve. Okay, here's my challenge for you. Let's build big people this year. We're going to build buildings. We're going to do all that kind of stuff too. We're going to do outreach. But let's build Big people. Turn to the person next to you and say, I want to be a big person. (laughs) How are we going to do it? We're going to meditate on the Word of God. Got some cool plans this year. I'll be unfolding them over in the next month. Ways for us to be directed corporately into the Word more than we ever have before. How to act out some things from first century, how to practice some, some uh, good godly rituals together. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. I, man, I wish I had more time on this, but the, um, who was the first person to go to Bethel? Do you know in the Bible? It was Abraham. Planted his tent just east of Bethel. Built an altar there. Two generations later, his grandson Jacob came to the same place, apparently not knowing that his grandfather had been there. And in that place, heaven was open, Jacob's ladder, Bethel. The vision of God, the angels ascending and descending. And it was a turning point for Jacob's life. Did you know like Abraham, if you commit to something long-term, your children will eat the fruit of that even generations later. Some of you may be at the beginning of this, the genesis of Christian life in your family line. My grandmother was, Cleo. She was the genesis. Four foot eleven woman who made a commitment to Christ. Eventually, her, hun- her husband came to the Lord, who was in this bad stuff. He came to the Lord, worked in the coal mines, became a preacher. That's all I knew. It was later in life, and I only knew him as a preacher. So I heard the stories, I couldn't believe it about it, but it was one woman, part Cherokee, one woman who committed her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. She prayed like nobody I've ever known. Everyone in the household knew when she was praying. One generational sacrifice of obedience and covenant travels generations to a grandson, Jacob, who was on the wrong side of the track. Let's all stand together if we could. I wanna challenge you become devout, study the Word of God, find a plan right now. Don't get too deep into 2023 without finding a plan saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my spiritual life together. I'm gonna learn how to pray. I'm gonna learn how to study the Word of God. And the time that it takes will be multiplied. It's like sowing finances. You know, you, you give and it shall be given to you. It's very similar in the spiritual realm. When you, when you read the Bible and think, I don't have time to do that. You don't have time because you don't do that. As you meditate upon the Word of God, it will change your mind. It will transform your soul. And you will become a different person. You know who you'll become? Like Jesus. It's hidden in the Word. It's hidden in communion with Him. You know what the Bible says? It says a lot of things. It says... Where is that? Oh, look at Jesus. Jesus says, it's a red letter. If you abide in me. We like that part. I I love love being with Jesus. I love it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Oh. You will ask what you desire and it should be done for you. And then he, he unpacks it a little more and says, by this. My Father is glorified. His words abiding in us glorifies God. Really? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Just hold your hands up, because we're making a commitment to the Lord right now. If you don't want to make it, just don't make it. Just move your lips. That way you won't be embarrassed. But if you're going to make this commitment, speak it out. Say, Jesus, I commit 2023 to you. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Open my heart to your word like never before. Open my spirit Through your Holy Spirit. I fix my eyes on you, Jesus. Mold me, shape me, make me into the image that God will see when he looks down upon me. Fashioned and crafted by Jesus and his word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Anything else we need to do, do Jay? Okay, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, feel free. We've got ministry teams up here in the front. Or if you need ministry for healing, finances, whatever, these ministry teams are ready. You just come up and stand in front of them like a grocery line or something. You stand up in front of them and they will minister to you and just stand in a line. You'll be fine. But if you did not give your heart to Jesus Christ, let me tell you before you leave, this is the time to do it right now. You come up here And you just stand in front of one of these people and say, I want to know Jesus. And they're going to lead you to Jesus Christ. Let me just bless you. Some of you are leaving. I don't want to miss anyone. But I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you're rising up and you're lying down. May the Spirit of the Lord come with you. May you sense and feel the presence of God every moment of every hour of every day of this week. May you even sense him behind you as your rear guard, before you as a forerunner. In the right hand and the left hand, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us. And may he make you lie down in green pastures. And may he lead you beside still waters. And may he restore your soul this year in an unprecedented way. I bless you, the ecclesia of God called Bethel Cleveland in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.